Happy Friday to you. I hope you're having a great run-up to your weekend. Don't forget about the church that's going on this weekend. As a Christian, you need a home congregation, and you need to go there and be involved in the worship and fellowship and prayer and study and service that happens as part of that body of believers. If you don't have a home church, get yourself out there, do the research, find a place, get plugged in, stay plugged in. If you happen to be within driving distance of the Elkhart East Building, I invite you to come be part of what we have going on. Uh, I'd love to meet you, and I'd love to work with you. Uh, by the way, uh, this coming Tuesday, uh, the 5th of March, uh, we will be sponsoring a divorce care seminar, the start of a divorce care seminar. And so if you or someone you know has been hurt by divorce and you need some good Bible-centric healing to that hurt, would you please contact the Elkhart East Christian Church and uh, find out about becoming part of that uh, divorce care seminar? Uh, we'd love to help you out. Now, on Fridays, I also thank everyone that's making this radio teaching possible. Uh, we do have people supporting it right now financially, uh, but we could use some more. And so if you are being prompted by the Holy Spirit to do so, then write down the contact information you'll hear at the end of the program today, then send your one-time or ongoing gift of any amount to that address, and it will be applied to the radio broadcast fees. Thanks for taking care of that. Let's return to our historical study that we're using to understand exactly what happened with the prophetic fulfillment of Jesus' Olivet Discourse when Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed in A.D. 70. It didn't just happen out of the blue. It really wasn't a product of the aggressive invasion of the Roman Empire uh, into the Middle East. It really was a breakdown of a long-standing relationship between uh, the Roman peoples and the Jewish peoples. And uh, right now, we are in the year 37 is where we've kind of zoomed in on. So just a couple of years after the church gets started. And uh, Tiberius Caesar has died in the middle of March of this particular year. Caligula is the new emperor. Uh, and there are things going on in Rome at the exact same time that things are going on in the lower Middle East, uh, where uh, the Jews and the Romans have constant contact. Uh, and uh, because of communication lag, uh, we don't have the people in the Middle East aware yet that Tiberius is dead. Uh, so the legate of Syria... Uh, a man by the name of Vitellius. He has received orders uh, from Tiberius to invade the Arabian territory and punish uh, the 
Arabian king Eratos for his recent attack of um, Herod Antipas, uh, the tetrarch of Galilee and Perea, Perea borders uh, on uh, Antipas's territory. And uh, Vitellius obeys the written instructions. He takes two legions plus a supporting force of uh, horsemen, and he starts marching down the Mediterranean coast. When he passes into Judea, he is immediately met by King or Tetrarch Antipas, as well as Jewish leaders from Jerusalem, who ask him to please show respect and sensitivity, as has always been the case, uh, for Jewish religious scruples and not march his military standards and any other imagery through the Judean properties where Jewish people would be affronted by them. Uh, and so he agrees, and so apparently they would have uh, taken their military standards like the eagles and the bulls and the hands and the busts of Caesar and things like that, and they would have taken such things off of their uniforms that were military awards, and they would have uh, gotten them out of the public eye. They continued their march down the Mediterranean coast with the intention of cutting across through Idumea, southern Idumea, and attacking King Eratos at um, Petra, which was his capital city uh, in Arabia. While that march continues, uh, Vitellius goes up to Jerusalem, where he'd only been about seven weeks earlier, uh, along with uh, Antipas and the Jewish leadership, uh, and he participates in Pentecost. Uh, he even has sacrifices offered on his behalf, and he is warmly welcomed. Uh, the Jewish people like him. Uh, after all, the last time he was here, just seven weeks ago, uh, he uh, terminated uh, all taxes on food items, uh, and he returned control of the high priestly uniform uh, to the Jewish people. Uh, so uh, while he's there, though, uh, with the Jewish leadership and with the Jewish people at Jerusalem enjoying Pentecost, uh, Marullus arrived from Italy as the new prefect of Judea, Idumea, and Samaria. And he brings the news that Tiberius is dead and that Caligula is the new emperor. As soon as they found that out, Vitellius called off the invasion of Arabia because with Tiberius dead, all of his orders now come to a termination as well. And so we now uh, resume kind of the status quo that had existed before that order. Now, just be aware, sometime in, uh, the I think, probably the second half of 37, 
that's when Josephus, the author of the Antiquities of the Jews and the Wars of the Jews, was born at Jerusalem. So he is now on the scene for a lot of the things that he will later be writing from a first-person viewpoint. Uh, In the spring of the following year, that is in 38, uh, Herod Agrippa I, remember the buddy of Caligula, who has just been given his tetrarchy uh, to the north of the Sea of Galilee, he asks his friend Caligula, can I go ahead and head out to the Middle East and uh, take control of my properties? And his friend gives him permission. So he arrives uh, in country and immediately connects up with his sister Herodias and with his brother-in-law, who happens to also be his uncle, Herod Antipas. And Herodias is not happy that her good-for-nothing brother is now best buds with the emperor of the empire, and that he's been given a kingdom or a tetrarchy uh, with all the money that's involved in that, uh, and that's taken him out of his indebtedness. He has benefited from his wasted life. Uh, And so she starts pestering her husband, saying, you really deserve better than he got. You need to go to Rome. You need to go to Rome, and you need to ask for more. Now, what did she think he should ask for? I'm guessing that she thought he should ask for being the king of Judea, Idumea, and Samaria. Um, Well, Antipas put her off for a while. But eventually... She got the better of him, and he agreed, fine, let's go to Rome, let's see what he might say on the matter. So they went. When Agrippa I found out that they were heading for Rome, he sent one of his trusted um, advisors and associates to get there ahead of them, and he wanted this person to tell his friend Caligula, don't trust uh, Antipas and his request because he's plotting to take over. Uh, And so basically lied about uh, all sorts of things. Well, uh, when um, Antipas got to Rome and presented his request, uh, Caligula responded in accordance with Agrippa's lies. He stripped Antipas of his power, of his wealth, and he banished him to the borderlands of Gaul. Uh, He basically had to go to Lyons, France, which was not a nice place to live at that time. And he gave Galilee and Perea to to, uh, Agrippa I. Just turned them over to him. Uh, Now, because Caligula knew that Herodias was actually Agrippa's sister, he gave her the chance to end her relationship with Antipas and be spared his fate, but she decided she'd rather be banished with uh, Antipas than to uh, 
go along with her wastrel brother's plots against him. And so that's the end of the story of the uh, Herod and Herodias of the Gospels uh, that John the Immerser dealt with. Uh, they end up being banished uh, to the backside of the Eastern Empire frontiers, or the Western Empire frontiers. Uh, and uh, Herod Agrippa I continues to grow in power. Now, this is where we have our next big hiccup in the relationships between the Jewish people and the, the Romans, and it's all related to Caligula. Uh, in 39, uh, Caligula had recovered from a near-death experience. He almost died, and then he suddenly recovered. And he developed thereafter this fascination with the idea that he was a god on earth. He often dressed himself up as if he were one of the gods of the Roman pantheon. Uh, so he started off his third year of reign by getting mad whenever the Jews of Alexandria uh, were reported to him by Gentiles in Alexandria of not showing him the same respect that the Gentiles were, because the Egyptians had no problem with considering earthly rulers as gods. Uh, that had been their standard for a long, long time. Uh, so Caligula got a little put off, got his nose out of joint over the fact that the couple of million of Jews living in Egypt wouldn't acknowledge that he was a god on earth. Uh, about that same time, Caligula sent a new legate to Syria. His name is Petronius. He's going to come into our story later. Uh, which brings us then uh, to the 13th running of the Augustus Games. Remember, those were the games put in place by uh, Herod the Great to celebrate uh, the five-year anniversary of, um, of Augustus coming into his emperorship. Uh, and it's the same running as the ninth running of the Caesar Games, which was the dedication games for the city of uh, Caesarea on the coast. So that's all going on in Judea in 39. That's all happening right then. Big deal. Now, south on the coast or near the coast, a couple of days walk, uh, there is a city named Yamnia. Uh, Yafne, Jamnia is the way it looks like it's spelled in English for us. Uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a Jew-Gentile city. Well, the Gentiles in that city decided that they would celebrate Caligula by raising an altar to him as if he were a god on earth. Sound familiar? The Jewish people in that city responded by tearing it down as a blasphemous thing. That happened probably in the late summer, early fall. Caligula found out about that right around the winter. And when he heard about it, it ticked him off. And so he sent a written order to Legate Petronius of Syria to build a gold statue of Caligula as if he were a god 
and have that statue placed in the Jewish temple. Now, you know that's not going to go over well. So as we begin the year 40, Petronius is having that statue cast, built, at Sidon on the coast of the Mediterranean, north of the Jewish lands. And uh, he was taking the time on this because he really didn't like it. Uh, He knew it was going to cause trouble. Uh, He was sending warnings out to the Jewish people. Look, this is on the horizon. This has been ordered by the emperor. You need to understand what's what's at stake here and don't overreact. Um, When the wheat harvest was going on in 40, uh, so we're talking about the time right after Pentecost of that year, this early summer, the Jews got together in force, not military force, but in numbers, and they came to Sidon, and they began begging Petronus, don't do this to us. Don't force this issue. You know that this goes against all the traditions, all the understandings. It goes against all the the regulations. It goes against all of the relationships between the Jews and the Romans over all these um, couple of of, uh, centuries. Uh, You need to appeal the order. You need to convince the emperor not to do this. Um, And so Petronius sits down and drafts a letter uh, to uh, to Caligula saying, this is a bad idea. You need to reconsider this, sir. Uh, and it's causing trouble because I, I've got people here that are not even harvesting their fields right now, and that's where they need to be because they're so overwhelmed with concern about this. Uh, so that was the letter that went out. Sometime later in the summer, of course, Caligula receives that letter, and he denies it and sends a denial back. Now, in the fall of 40, the 208th sabbatical year of the Jews would have begun. So they're going into a time period that is very important to them. It is a religious year. It is a year in which they do no work. Uh, It is a year in which the Romans, by law, have said they will not collect taxes from the Jewish people because of the sensitivities of not working in this particular year. And so um, Herod Agrippa has headed off to Rome in order to intervene uh, with his friend Caligula on this matter. Um, the Jews have begged Petronius a second time, don't do this. Don't let this happen. Please send a second appeal. So he does. All right, so that's all happening in the later summer, early fall, mid-fall. Winter comes around. Uh, Petronius's excuse me, Herod Agrippa is in Rome now. And he has talked seriously with his friend Caligula, and he's actually convinced him that this is a bad idea, 
that the Jewish people are a unique category to themselves, uh, that they do not mean any insult against him by this. It is just part of their religion. Uh, they don't have any images whatsoever. And so finally Caligula agrees and calls off the installation of the uh, statue of himself. Uh, shortly after he'd made that decision and sent the note uh, to call off the installation, Petronius's second appeal arrives, and it sets Caligula off again. He is, he is totally made insane angry that his legate would dare question his, um, his orders a second time. And so he fires off another letter uh, telling uh, Peronius, upon receipt of this letter, kill yourself. Um, and so that's all happening in the winter, the earlier winter of uh, 40, going into 41. When January of 41 rolls around, um, Caligula has made such a pest of himself to so many people amongst the Romans. Uh, his insanity uh, has reached such heights that he is assassinated uh, by uh, a Roman uh, conspiracy. Claudius is declared uh, the new emperor of the Roman Empire uh, by the uh, Praetorian Guard, that is, the military um, infrastructure at Rome. But Agrippa I, who's there, remember, he is involved in convincing the senators to go along with that. And so that's how he and Claudius now um, become, well, they're already close, but they become even closer. Uh, so one of the first things that uh, Claudius does is declare Agrippa I to be the king of the Jews. That's the first time that title has been used since 4 BC when Herod the Great died. And so this actually restores the semi-independent nature of the Jewish Hasmonean kingdom. Uh, because Agrippa I is a descendant of the Hasmonean line. Uh, now, thankfully for Petronius, word of Caligula's death arrives in Judea before he got that kill-yourself order. With the death of Caligula and the statue no longer an issue of being placed in the Jewish temple, the year-long crisis comes to an end. It's past. And with Herod Agrippa being now the king of the Jews and being very supportive of things Jewish, things really settle down in uh, the Judean lands because now everything in the Jewish homelands is pretty much under the control of a Herodian Jewish um, monarch or tetrarch. Um, now, it's in my opinion 
that once this crisis period was over, that's when God sends Peter to Cornelius's house, and we have the kickoff of uh, rapid evangelism of the Gentiles. So keep that happening in the back of your head during all this. Uh, now, over at Alexandria, however, the tension between the Jews and the Gentiles stays pretty high, which prompts two letters from uh, the new emperor to be sent out in 42. Now, I haven't been reading a lot from the official documentation of the first century, but I'm going to do it now. And you can find these in uh, Josephus's Antiquities of the Jews. Uh, the first letter is written uh, by Tiberius, excuse me, by um, uh, Claudius Caesar to the people in Alexandria. And I'm going to read just the part that's pertinent. Here it comes. Quote, But that in the time of Caius, that's Caligula, the Alexandrians became insolent toward the Jews that were among them, which Caius Caligula, out of his great madness and want of understanding, reduced the nation of the Jews very low, because they would not transgress the religious worship of their country and call him a god. I will, or I desire, therefore, that the nation of the Jews be not deprived of their rights and privileges on account of the madness of Caius Galigula, but that those risks, uh, those rights and privileges which they formerly enjoyed be preserved to them, and that they may continue in their own customs and I charge both parties to take very great care that no trouble may arise after the promulgation of this edict. So effectively, Claudius writes to the people in Alexandria, Egypt, and says, all right, everybody, back to your neutral corners. Back to where you were before the crazy emperor set you all against one another. Uh, Gentiles, respect the Jews. Jews respect the Gentiles. Now, there's a second letter, which we do not have time to get into today, uh, that is going to be written to the people living in Judea and in all the Jewish-held territories of the lower Middle East. Uh, it effectively is going to tell everybody there to pretty much behave themselves as well. Uh, but because we are out of time today, I want you to go ahead and uh, just plan on coming back next time, next week, next episode, and uh, we will move from this point into what I think is the real deterioration of the relationship between the Jewish and the Gentile people in fulfillment of Jesus' Olivet Discourse prophecies.